Are we good? We live, coach. I see it right there, Mikey. Good I, I, see you, how man. you doing? Good seeing you too. What, for, for all the people who, who are not watching and just listening to this podcast, we got we have my first official guest. This, this, this is a lot of pressure here. So he started off as a decoy. I'm 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 a fast forward a little bit, not your not the later background. Started off as a decoordinated with the New York Giants in '97 to two to '01. Was with the Panthers, a head coach, head coach of the Panthers in 2002 for eight seasons. Then the head coach for Denver Broncos for four seasons. Head coach for the Chicago Bears for two. Your career record is 141 and 30. Postseason eight and seven. My number one guest, my favorite head coach, John Fox. What's up, boss? I got. I got to give you a round of applause because everybody not watching. Well, hey, hey. <laughs> oh, you're the best, Mike. You know, you know, you're one of my all-time favorites. I think I told you that at uh, at Champ Bailey's uh, Hall of Fame induction. So, uh, yeah, you know, I love you, and uh, there's nothing like the relationships that you build. You know, being in that locker room for you know that much time and you know, even for just one season, it's, it's a heck of a way to get to know people. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So I, I went, I dug a little bit. So let me tell you, this is just a conversation. Like we yep. just vibing. No, we just yep. gonna let it go. Like nothing, nothing, nothing too straightforward. None of that BS. So if you, if you mess around and fucking curse, it's okay. We it. <laughs> Don't fucking worry about it, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. So, first of all, you got a birthday coming up in February. Yes, sir. 66. Uh, I'll be 66 years old, believe it or not. I don't feel it, but uh, no it's on my no birth doubt. certificate. Yeah. <laughs> you can't erase that one. <laughs> no, no, no. So, I didn't know you played with Herm Edwards. Yes. You, you, you played with him. I didn't know that. Like, that when I was reading and I saw that. I said, "What? That can't be right." You play. How was that? Tell me about that experience. I, I, I got. You got to let me know about that one. Well, you know how it is, man. You go back, man. You're young people. I mean, you know, guys. All the white guys had the long hair, and all the brothers had the froze. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but we were we were very close. We had a close team. We had a lot of success success there at San Diego State. Uh, Herm was a a really really good player. He was a transfer from Cal Berkeley. Uh, we're still super, super close friends. Uh, my wife and his wife are friends. Uh, you know, he's down at Arizona State now doing a great job. And, you know, we've been buddies for, you know, shoot, I don't know, 50 years now. Yeah. Oh, oh did you play? You play safety. Yes. And yes. Herm the corner. Yes, exactly. So did, so did y'all have any problems, any communication issues? Because it happens in the secondary. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. But uh, I'll never forget, we played BYU and uh, uh, we lost eight to nothing, believe it or not. Well, the way the two points happened was, is there was a play on the goal line. In fact, the tight end was Brian Billick. Uh, they threw a pass. It got tipped up in the air. All right. I intercepted it in the end zone and Herman's yelling at me to the outside of me. All right. So, like a dummy, I laddled it to him, and then he got tackled for a safety. That's how that's how two of the points happened in the game. Uh, but <laughs> Herman's nickname and those guys was Herman Herm the Germ because he he did enjoy talking. Herman uh, Germ. Yeah, he, he looked like he looked like. Oh, who was that? Trash. 
Like, because I like crashing into people. <laughs> Hold up. You said flash? No, crash. Oh, crash. Oh, you yeah, said, there, you there said was no flash. Hey, Mike, there was no flash in my game. Um, <laughs> you straight hitting people, huh? Straight up. Yeah, right? I, I like, I like running. I like running into people, that's for sure. Hey, tell me, tell me your best hit. Oh you, you ain't gotta think too hard. We all remember our biggest hit, coach. You just gotta go back too far. It's all good. Take your time. I, I, unfortunately, it was my junior year and it was on the sideline. We're playing Long Beach State. And um Oh, Lord, have mercy. I can't remember the back's name, but I came up and, and drilled him on the sideline. It was our sideline, uh, so mm -hmm. people got a little bit excited. That, that was probably my biggest hit. Oh, okay. I, I hope you can pull that up. I'm going to try to pull that up real quick. <laughs> I, I don't kidding. know if they had film back then. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, I, another thing that I caught, Coach, you played two years in the league with, with the Bucks. Uh, I played was being a kind term. All right. I was I was, in camp. Just in camp? I was in camp for just one year, um, so yeah yeah I don't know I saw that somewhere too it might have been on Wikipedia a few years oh. ago and I'm like I don't know who writes this stuff I thought it was supposed to be um, uh, real you know what I mean it had to be true yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's false information so whatever, yeah I, I would I would remember that I don't remember my biggest hit that well but I do remember uh, any kind of a pro career if you want to call it that oh okay. Yeah. So your first NFL NFL gig was with the Steelers. Right? Yes. Is that? Yep. From there, you went to the Giants. The coordinator. No, no. I was the, the DB coach. Actually, I was the defensive coordinator at the University of Pittsburgh in mm -hmm. uh, 1988. And in 1989, I interviewed with Chuck Knoll uh, as the secondary coach. Um, so that was my first NFL job. Uh, then Chuck Knoll retired, and then I went out with um, uh, Bobby Beathard and Bobby Ross in San Diego. Uh, that would have been, let's see, I was uh, Steelers 89, 90, 91. So 92, 93 season. Yeah. Um, I was so in, you went back home, basically. Yeah. You, yes. Went, okay. So basically went back to the West Coast, was out there with um, the Chargers for two years, the Raiders for two years. Uh, and then I went to the Giants. Then the Giants. Yeah. You, that defense, I, I'm not going to say you inherited because I think y'all drafted it was like Ike Hillier. It was Sam Garns was a rookie in 97. Uh, was Tyrone Wheatley a rookie? Um, yeah, so when I, the, the year, my first year in 97, uh, defensively, um, you know, they, they had been a pretty good defense, but. We had a really good year in 97. In fact, uh, our offense struggled that year, and we got a lot of takeaways in 97. And that was really how we made the playoffs and, uh, uh, you know, had success that very first year. So had a bunch of good that. guys. Yeah, Jason C. Orn. Sam was a rookie fifth-round pick out of Cincinnati. Yep, Tito Wooten. Yeah, Tito Wooten. Felipe Sparks. Yeah. Uh, Felipe. Our, yeah, I, had, I think it was 17 turnovers. Yes. Between, yes. Between plus, 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 we had we had more than that in takeaways. We were plus seventeen in the turnover margin. I think we had about thirty-five takeaways. Yeah, not including the four fumbles and the fumbles, right? Yes. Yes. But yeah, with the four, I saw Gar Sam Garner's only had one pick. <laughs> yeah, he he. We had we had some big safeties, 
And Sam was more of a the old classic strong safety, played three buzz. He'd be the fill player on run support. And now he would unload on you. Garnsey would hit you. But you had a young straight hand, too. I think mean, you had 14 sacks that year. You had a yeah. young straight hand. Yeah, that was when he was a second round pick at a, a Southern. Southern. And, and he was. Uh, he didn't have a great year his rookie year, but he uh, he got really good really fast. And actually, he still holds the single season sack record. That happened a couple years later, uh, I think at twenty two. Oh yeah, yeah, he did, he did. So, so that's still the that's still the NFL record, and you know nobody's come really close yet. Nah. Hey, coach, tell me this: what's your, what's your favorite wine? What you drink? I know you're a wine guy. I know, just, I we, we skipping around like we just we just talking. Right, we ain't got to keep got, everything. I've got kind of a new favorite. Um, uh, Robin and I, my wife, flew out to a friend's 50th birthday party out in Napa a year and a half ago, and one of my restaurant buddies here in Charlotte told me about a winery called Con Valley, and so we went out to visit this vineyard and we sat with the owner Todd Anderson and his winemaker and my wife and I. In, uh, in one of their caves and drank every wine they had from about 11 o'clock in the morning till about four o'clock that afternoon. And uh, he has a specialty vineyard and it's called Ghost Horse. And that, that's my new favorite wine right now, Mike. I've had a few along the years, but that's my new favorite one over the last two years. Say that again, Ghost Horse? Ghost Horse. Yeah. Oh, ghost horse. Okay, okay. I got to yeah. try that because I'm a wine guy myself. You know, I, I like red blends. Yep. So right now, this one I'm on. Hold on one second. All right. Hold on. You're not going to get a bottle, are you? Absolutely. This is my show. You can, I love it. You can, I love it. I love it. I got, and I'm proud got, to be your first guest. That's what I'm talking about. I got the Camus. Yeah. I like Camus. This I like, is I like Camus. Yeah. This is, this is my favorite right now. This, 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 yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? I like a lot of the Napa wines. Camus is good. Mm -hmm. Blends. Uh, Opus One's a good blend. Opus, yes, I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's not cheap. All right, we'll, we'll put a hole in your pocket, but it's. Uh, um, but that's, but it's a very good blend, in my opinion. But Camus, you can, you can never go wrong with. That's, that's, never, they're a great winemaker. All right, so we got a commercial break. Uh, because I, I'm, I'm sponsored by uh, Camus, so I'm about to go get a glass right now and just take a sip real quick, and then yeah. and then we'll be back in the. Sh no, I'm just kidding, Cody. <laughs> 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 I need a sponsor. <laughs> of I was gonna say, I was gonna say, if Camus was your sponsor, you should have told me that pre-show, and I would have said that was my favorite wine. Send <laughs> <laughs> you some too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Oh man, so so coach, but being a head coach, right? Right. Matter, matter of fact, what what do you miss most about coaching? What do you love most about coaching, and and, and what do you miss? Well, I think I miss the relationships, and you know, like I mentioned at the top of the show, um, you know, those are the things that you really miss because you get close to people from all different walks, all different backgrounds, and. You know, you're all in it for a common goal. And, you know, I think you mentioned what I miss about coaching is taking 
young people and really all having a common goal, and that's to win football games in the National Football League, which is very hard. And you have your own area, whether I was a defensive back coach, just my unit, or whether I was a defensive coordinator and just that side of the ball. And then as a head coach, motivating everybody, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, and really just teaching them how to be, you know, do something that's very hard that actually can be harmful to your health, um, you know, and do something for somebody bigger than yourself, you know, doing it for the guy next to you, doing it for the other side of the ball, doing it, you know, um, instilling that type of um, character in the young people, uh, I, I truly, truly miss. And you know what, just to piggyback coach, like, and when you think about the climate today, like it, like all the racism and everything that's going on, it really doesn't right. matter in football. We in that locker room, black, white, purple, right. Chinese, whatever, Chinese, it does not matter. Like you just said, we right. all got one goal, one purpose, and that's to win. Like nothing else matters. Right. And that's the beauty of it because that's the only agenda. You know, sometimes in regular life, People have all kinds of agendas. And, uh, you know, I think that's where some of the social things that are going on now, um, not that it can't happen in a locker room, but I got to be honest with you, I was blessed. I never felt it. You know, whether you came from money or didn't come from money, whether you yeah. were black, whether you're white, whether you're Hispanic, whether you're Asian, uh, it didn't matter. You know, it's look a little bit like the military. My dad was a Navy SEAL, and I learned that at a young age that. Hey, look, all you cared about is that guy next to you had your back. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter where they came from, or how they were raised. It's just you built that bond with that guy next to you, whether it was in the locker room or on the field. And, you know, that's the relationship that I don't know that you get in everyday other life. I don't because I haven't lived that. I've lived football. And whether it was at the college level high school playing as a little kid, you know, or peewee league or whatever it was, I, I, I never experienced that other than the great relationships. Yeah. And just to go back, what you said about relationships. So on my last podcast, I mentioned something like about Mangini. So I thought when I was with Mangini in uh, Cleveland, I thought he was one of the smartest coaches like I've been around. I haven't, I think I, that was my, like my fifth year, but haven't been around that many coaches in the coaches, but I thought he was just smart. The way he dissected the game, the way he, uh, the way he tell you to play things, and he just knew. And you know, that's that Belichick tree. But right. I just thought, I just thought like his, he didn't have that personable personability. Like he did, he wasn't personable. He he was the type of guy he would walk right past you in during in the hallway and won't say anything to you. He won't, but if you go up to his office behind in closed doors, how's your family? How's everything? And he's yep. all about that. But like when he's downstairs, everything is just business. And you know, Mike, I, I, go ahead, go ahead, finish. I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Because I, I was trying to figure out like why coaches, because I, I said something like the coaches, the coaches now and the people that you're coaching. Those young guys are going to be the next coaches. They are the next yep. GMs, you yep. know, and and you want to have a relationship because you, you never know. 
not that you might need them or that you probably don't ever need them. But well, it, I think it, like, it, like it, a lot of like like a lot of people in life, um, you learn from people that you worked under uh, and you worked for. Um, that's where you get a lot of your experiences, uh, especially when you become a head coach for the first time. Um, I was really blessed to be around a lot of great people. And I go back, you know, my first NFL head coach was Chuck Knoll. And Chuck was an extremely good teacher and a very good coach. And he was actually a defensive and defensive backfield coach, uh, that unifier, uh, never got too high, never got too low, um, and you can be a disciplinarian and you can be, I don't, I hate using this word, but a dictator in some ways, but I think you get a lot more out of your people um, when you give them ownership. And what I think helped me uh, do what I was able to accomplish in the league was being able to unify young people and actually give them a piece of the leadership, meaning we're not going to go anywhere, no matter how great of a head coach I am or how great of a defensive coordinator I am or how great of a DB coach I am, unless you guys buy in. And I think when you give players ownership, you get, just like in business, if you give people ownership, they'll work harder and do the little things it takes to be great. And really in the National Football League, everybody has talent. I do think that's the thing that, if you look around the league, I think that's the thing that puts the successful teams over the top. And, and you you know what? It's funny. I, I finished my career. I was in uh, Houston last year. And right. I, I, I finished up there. And the coaches, right, it, it was so uptight there. Yeah. Right? And, and that's Bill O'Brien. And it was so uptight. And guys was just they – didn't, they didn't like coaches. You could tell the players didn't like the coaches because I was the OG coming in. So they was telling right. the stuff right so i know right right, right. And, my, you. yeah so my thing was like they never let go ownership like you said they never let the player and they got you got jj watt you got you got uh sean watson they got a plethora of great players and great leaders over there but they never relinquished ownership it was like a micromanaging type of thing and and when you micromanage players they start to rebel yeah. a little bit, see how far they can take it, you know? Well, you know, it comes down to, Mike, is really trust. And it's back to what I was trying to say to you. You know, it's about being selfless and not selfish. And that's that's no matter whether it's ownership, whether it's uh, front office, or whether it's coaches, is you got to have trust. And you have to trust the guy next to you. You have to trust the guy that plays for you and the guy that plays for you has to trust you as a position coach or the head coach or as a coordinator. Um, and when you have all of that, but now I think, you know, you can accomplish great things. So, so do you think like the head coach and the GM have to coexist in order to be successful? Like what, what if a head coach or vice versa, GM don't like the head coach, head coach don't like the GM. You never hear that, but you know it, it's in the league. It, it's, it happens a lot. You can tell players. Can that, tell players, it's a little bit like why a lot of college guys don't leave college now to go to the pro football. Uh, good friend of mine, Nick Saban, I've known for thirty years. Um, you know, he dabbled in pro football with the Dolphins, and I'm telling me when I got fired in Chicago, 
He said, Foxy, you've done a great job. He goes, I got great respect because of, you know, in the NFL, it's tough because there's, you know, it, it only takes a few guys in a building, and that could be the GM. It could be, I mean, it could be your trainer. It could be anybody in that building to screw up. Where college football is pretty much the head coach kind of runs the show. Yeah. Uh, and he brought up uh, when they had Drew Brees come in for uh, a visit, they wanted to sign him. He goes, but their orthopedics failed Drew Brees, you know, on the physical. I remember and, that. You know, the rest is history. He went to New Orleans. They didn't flunk him. And look what Drew Brees has done. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, they ended up signing Paul Pepper instead, right? Yes. And they passed him on the physical. And, you know, his name wasn't in great shape. And I think I'm not banging on Culpepper. He'll tell you the same thing. But just there's just so many decisions that can happen in an NFL building that mess you up. Yeah, I, I know that. I, and, and, you know, you try to hide it from players, but that's one thing you can't do. Because at the end of the day, we grow men too. And we see the friction. We see the moves being made. And that, that goes to another question. Like, throughout your career, you don't have to name a team. You don't have to name names. But did you ever, like, want a player and the GM didn't or vice versa? Well, I can say yes, that did happen. I won't mention names, but yeah, I no. will say I will say that if you look around the league, and it doesn't take very long. The people that are having success, number one, um, you know, they have continuity. So the head coach has been there for a minute. You know, I go all the way back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they've had four or five coaches in the history of their organization. Absolutely. That that's absolutely unheard of. All right, in today's NFL. Um, and that continuity and that um, kind of a power uh, system uh, works. You know, the coaches are with the players all the time. The coaches know the players, you know, better than the front office, better than even the general manager, um, you know, uh, because they're with players every day, all day. You know, you, you – you know, like all the teams you've been with, Mike, you probably didn't get to know the GM or the owner or or whoever was upstairs as well as you got to know the trainer, all right, the equipment men, your your position coach, your coordinator. Um, I can't speak to all the places you were with as far as your relationship with the head coach, depending on what side of the ball they were on. But, you know, you look around the league, and those organizations are the ones that are perennially successful. Uh, forget about all the other stuff, who their coordinators are, the actual coaches, but just the structure and the power structure of that organization. Um, you know, cause it's all about decisions, um, that you make, whether it's the human talent you're bringing into the building, whether it's in the pro personnel department or the college personnel department, you know, all those things are critical, um, in your success. Yeah, absolutely. That brings me to something that I saw Sunday, and I, I had uh, I put it on Instagram, and I was just yelling at the TV. So I'm not even a Jets fan, first of all. Right. Like, I grew right. up in Jersey. I like this. 49ers is my favorite team. I didn't even like the yeah. Giants. Sorry about that. My brother did. <laughs> <laughs> I hated the Giants. But I'm watching the game. 13 seconds left. And, and, and let me back up. 
Situational right. football. Right. Foxy, we always practice it. We always practice the four minute, the two minute and four minute offense. Right. Yep. We yep. we do we do speed ball right before we right before we get started. And for, for people who, who don't know, speed ball is like when we come out, we don't stretch anything, we just go out and we just no no, we stretch first, right? Yeah, we yeah, stretch yeah. First. We, we would stretch yeah. first, Mike. Okay. <laughs> I'm about to get everybody in trouble. <laughs> they didn't yeah. stretch us. <laughs> so after we stretch, we would go out on the field and it'd be offense versus defense. Whatever we just went over in the locker room. In the, in the classroom, we're bringing it up to the field and we're running. I don't know how many plays it was. Probably about, what, eight plays? Yeah, about eight, eight, between eight and 12, depending on what time of year. Yeah, about eight yeah, eight to 12 plays that we're run, And that simulates coming out of halftime, correct? Yep. And that simulated coming out of halftime. So that's, that's like or, situation. Or to, start, or to start the game. Or to start the game. Start, yeah. Yep. And we do two-minute offense and two-minute defense. Based on, I think we did that on Thursday, two minutes. How many times in the game where you see you got two minutes left in the game, no timeout, so one timeout. We practice yeah. that, defense and offense, four-minute offense. We need to get the ball back on D. The offense right. need to get a first down to win the game. You know, and, and in this situation, 13 seconds left. The game is on the line, and you play zero coverage. Now, I'm not I'm not the defense defensive coordinator by any means, but if I was in a huddle, I'm changing yeah. the call. And yeah. I would I would and I've done that before when I was with the coach. I changed the call before. Yeah. Like me, Darius Butler, DeQuell, we would talk about it, we changing it. We don't like it, we changing it. And they like that because we took ownership, right? Yep. Yep. But I, I get the Jets, right? They don't they probably don't have that leader that that's that have the stand and the power to do that. So they probably didn't have the opportunity to change the call or could change the call, period. So my question is, do you, you know, because I, I don't want to implicate you in any way, but, like, I, I thought it was a bad call. I don't know. I know what you probably would have called. You probably would have called. Me too. It would have been quarters back because I think yep. it was on the fringe area. It wasn't enough to, like, it, but we would have been at the goal line, right? Quarters back, I think we had, and maybe Hail Mary. What do you, what do you think, Coach? I know everybody involved. I know the head coach. I know the guy that got fired. Um, I got to say, I coached, you know, for a lot of years, uh, you know, whether it was a position coach or as a head coach or a coordinator, uh, I never called zero blitz on a last play situation. In 13 seconds, you really got two plays. But, um, you know, we had more than we had one aggressive call and it was only bringing five. And I only used that once or twice in my career. Otherwise, rushing four or maybe even three, um, you know, was pretty much the standard when the clock's in your favor like that. Uh, in fact, you know, really a lot of times I called zero was the stop or run in a pretty for sure run situation. I, I was never a big zero guy. Because yeah. I thought you could get matchups that you want uh, just with five guys, uh, especially if you had a decent team. So, um, you know, I, I thought there were ways you could beat protections uh, without just going <clears throat> all out zero. So in my career, I was never a big zero guy and definitely not with 13 seconds left. So, so the crazy part about it, the blitz didn't even get there. <laughs> 
Well, like like all blitzes, is if you don't enter it right and feel the protection, um, yeah. you know, you can let an offense block you. And if you notice, the quarterback stepped stepped up through the pocket. He stepped you know, up like it, was, like it was a three or four man rush because yeah, the blitz the, the guys got taken out of their gaps on the blitz, and so you know, really, when you bring seven guys. All right, you should come home. Somebody got to come home. Yeah, but when you don't have good gap definition, then, you know, it doesn't look like a blitz. <laughs> it definitely did because he stepped up, and I'm like, it's no way, zero coverage, you get to step up. You you got to get that ball has to come out right now. If it don't come out right now, somebody's in trouble. Right. They used to tell us, exactly. that if the ball don't come out right now, hold on to the ass. Yep. Yep. So that's when you do run zero, it better come out fast. And so uh, if you practice it enough and you can get the right protections and you understand how to, you know, good gap integrity, um, they, you should have a free man and they didn't. Yeah. So, so you got a, you got a game that um, stick out in your head that you, you would like to have back or one game that you was like, you know what? Well, twofold question. Okay. One game that you one game that you would like to have back. Well, I would go to back to our 2012 game against uh, Baltimore in Denver, and uh -huh. basically, I mean, we got to have that game won. It's third and three, and it's not even a hail mary. You can't run a hail mary from the minus 30, technically, uh, and they weren't even in a three by one set. It was two by two. Um, I remember it like it's yesterday. Um, it was less than a minute to go. They got no timeouts, and they just run all go. It's four up, two by two set, all go. And um, we were in uh, two max, so we had a three-man rush. We made the quarterback throw it on time, and we just misplayed the ball on a go route and cover two, and the safety over the top, and – we didn't lose the game on that play, but they tied it, and then eventually we lost that game, and they really went uh, – the, the Ravens went on to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I remember, like, yesterday, too, I was hoping you wouldn't say that game. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, – Yeah. Flacco stepped another, up, too. We had another one, uh, the Giants against Minnesota Vikings, and, like, three things had to happen for us to lose that game. It was the first round of the playoffs. Uh, could have been the divisional round, but I think it was the wild card round. Uh, and it was in Giant Stadium. And uh, they had to score quick, which they did. And it was before replay. And really, Moss was out of the end zone um, when he caught the ball, but they didn't catch it. Uh, they had to recover an onside kick, and they did. And then they went down and kicked the field goal to beat us. But uh, we were going to go to Green Bay, I think, the next week. And uh, most of the people in the stadium were thinking, yeah, we're going on to Green Bay, but not so fast. Uh, those were two that come to mind uh, right off the top. So those, those are the two games you would, like, you would like to have back. What game is you most, most proud of? Um, most proud of? I think probably – Probably the greatest game I ever coached in was a divisional round in Carolina when we were in St. Louis when they had the greatest show on turf. 
greatest show. And that game was probably, it was almost triple overtime, but it was a double overtime playoff game. And that game was won or lost about four times. And just the fight um, that it took. And I'll never forget, it was third and I think 12. And we ran a, we call it an X clown against cover two. And it kind of makes, it looks like it's going to be a seven route. And then it breaks back to the post. And Jake DeLome hit Steve Smith on about a 78-yard touchdown pass uh, to win the game uh, in overtime. Mm, okay. I like that. That was, an, that was an exciting one. So, you know what's crazy? The, I, I asked you those two questions. You didn't mention the Super Bowl. And well, you went twice. Um, say again? And, 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 you, and you went twice as a head coach. Yes. So the first uh, time, it, it had to be a heartbreak. Because I, no, I was in college. I was in college watching that. And yep. I had an Isaac Bruce. I mean, I said Isaac Bruce. I had Isaac. I did have Isaac Bruce on, but I was rooting for you guys so bad because I was a Steve Smith fan. I'm like, oh, right. This guy named Adam Vinatieri comes along. <laughs> well, what happened on that was is is on the kickoff with I think it was just under two minutes. Um, we kicked the ball out of bounds, so not only. That we get it to not at the 20, we gave it to Brady at the 40. 40. And all they needed was a field goal. And, um, you know, they went no huddle. In those days, you didn't have the coach, defensive coach, to defensive player headset. Yeah. So so we were signaling. And, you know, in hindsight, looking back at that, I'm pretty sure Tom Brady knew every coverage we were were in on that drive, Uh, not to take anything away from them. You still have to execute. Uh, But anyways, yeah, that, that, that loss was, was a hard one because our guys, you know, we won a lot of close games that year. They called us the cardiac cats. We had a great bunch of guys. I just did a podcast with them about two months ago with that team. And uh, like all great teams, you got great people and with great people, you can accomplish great things, and we just came up a little bit short. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then the other Super Bowl? <laughs> well, that one you were part of. Um, you know, I, I, oh, I, man. I, I you know, I, and I really did feel like we were so ready to play. Um, I did. I did, too. You know, we, were, we were missing some weapons. I mean, that year, through the playoffs, you know, we lost Von Miller and everything. Chris Harris didn't play in that game. Uh, you know, uh, Derek Wolf didn't play in that play. game. Derek Wolf didn't yeah. play. Um, yeah, I mean, we were missing we were missing a lot of dudes on defense. Uh, a but, lot. But we just, you know, we turned the ball over too much. I mean, the first play of the game was a safety. You know, that's never been done in history. Um, you know, with the snap, Manny Ramirez snapped it over Peyton's head. Coach. Yep, I'm still, I'm here. Uh, Coach, all that money you got, we got to get you some Wi-Fi. Well, I actually have Wi-Fi, but to be uh, I have my, my daughter and my son are in town. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm, I came up here to escape the noise. Oh, okay. Because you, I'm, I'm yeah. say you got too much money for that stuff, bro. Don't be doing that. <laughs> no, we have, be on my <laughs> I have those little, Come on, Coach. I have those, little, I have those little things that have uh, – that boost Wi-Fi. And so there's one in here somewhere. It must not be working very good. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it, it was perfect. Now be a pro. Come on. That's, That's right. I'm looking at that. <laughs> so hey, at, for being a head coach, the last, uh, I don't know how many years, what, four, four, 12, 14 years? 16 years. 16. Yeah, okay. nine, in, nine in Carolina, nine. Uh, four in Denver, four. and three. three in Chicago. Yep. So, are, first of all, are you trying to get back in? And if you are, like, I wonder, like, because you've been a head coach for so long, would you want to be a D coordinator or would you just be a head coach? You know, Mike, for me to get back in it, um, it would have to be with people I know and trust. Um, I don't care about the position. I just know I could be of help to somebody in, in some way, whether it's evaluating players, evaluating what we're doing, um, practice schedules. You know, I think when you look even now with COVID, I think the people that are doing the best job are the people that have continuity and that, that, that kind of know their players, their players know each other. Because uh, with this COVID stuff, I mean, it's been hard, you know, yeah. as far as building those relationships. And, you know, doing that virtually is just different than doing it in person. Um, you know, so I think what you're in some of is, is teams that have that connection, even better teams that don't have that connection. Uh, and I think that's always the difference, you know, in an NFL season is, you know, who, who wants it more, who's going to give up the little extra, whether it's, you know, hustle or effort, yep. you know, it's not always just about ability. I mean, you got to have talent, but the league is set up for everybody to have talent. Yep. But you always talked about the abilities, coach. Yep. Accountability, responsibility. Yep. Uh, what else you had? Yeah. Well, there's, there's always a great one. They always say there's no eye in the team. Availability. Yes. Yes. And, and it's, you know, the, people have to believe that because they'll go the extra yard for you, you know, when it's. So let me ask you a question, Mike. What are you up to? This is your first podcast. How are you doing these days? I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing great. You know, uh, spending time with the family. I'm doing I'm actually uh, I'm into construction. Now. I built buildings. I got one building in North New Jersey that I built and I got two cool. more that I just got approved for that I'm doing. But I'm just doing the, the podcast thing, you know. I'm just trying to, you know, get my feet wet a little bit just to stay in tune with the game, you know. And, yeah. and just, to, just to talk to former players and coaches and everything. And yeah, I, I'm going to try to get back in on a, uh, probably something, something next year, probably scouting or coaching. We'll see. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, I, 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 go ahead. You know, I'm here for you if you need me. And I still know a lot of people. Uh, you're always one of my favorites because, you know, I couldn't be more proud of you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat it, but uh, what I was going to say is I'm, I'm very, very proud of you. And, look, you know, when you meet young guys in a locker room, and, again, you were always mature and you always had your – you had it going on. You were never a problem child by any stretch. But um, it doesn't surprise me at all of all your success with the building and life after football. Uh, but – there's not many professions where you could be retired at a young age and yeah. to watch guys have success after football. Uh, I could not be more proud of you, Mike. And I mean that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Definitely appreciate that. 
I'm still grinding. I, I miss it, though. I miss it a lot. So when I'm watching the game, I, I, I get caught up comparing myself. I'm like, man, how would it did that? How would it did this? But I'm trying to just remove myself from it and just be content and happy from where I'm at. Because I still can dissect the game. And I know what defense they're playing right away. I, I can tell you uh, where who made the mistake and what went wrong right away. And I, I think that's the beauty about former players, too, that know the game. We're just not watching yep. it from a fan standpoint where we'd be like, oh, it's a corner fault. You know, they ain't cover two. Safety got to get on top, you know? Yeah. Well, I, that's why I always try to – get ex players in the building, whether it was, it could have been an internship. It could have been, you know, like, you know, like getting Garnsey, you know, guys that played for me know the game. Uh, they know the players because the players know everything. We talked earlier, you know, even when you cut guys or when you pick the team or you're picking who's starting as a coach, if, if you pick the wrong guys, you know, that's the first thing players can see. You know what I mean? So it's hard, you know, because they know. I mean, they know who the players are. So that's why that relationship is so critical. Um, you know, I've seen coaches make the biggest mistakes cutting the wrong guy, picking the wrong starter, you know, when there's a guy maybe behind that might be better. Um, so all those decisions, you know, come into play with success. Um, you know, as far as you go, there's – I'm not sure you ever really replace being in it. You know, now I will say as a coach, like that's that the next best thing to being a player. What I mean by that is is watching guys grow together and, and accomplishing good things, whether it's just a unit, a side of the ball, or even the whole team, is watching that is very gratifying. You know, yeah. I, I can speak to that. Uh, having played and then coached, um, I loved it. And I, I miss it right now today. I miss it. So that'll never go away. But, you know, you have to go on with life and you have to – you can still be good at something else. You know what I mean? And and that's what's cool about – and it doesn't matter whether it's construction or okay. stock market or, you know, that, that same – those same lessons you learned on the field, you can learn off the field. Yeah, Absolutely. So I was digging, I'm going to jump over real quick. I was digging right. in my old notes, and I found my notes with Coach, because I, I keep everything. I keep all of it, especially my coaches that, that I listen to and just, like, always dropping knowledge. Tell me if you remember any of this stuff, all right? Ready? All right. You deal with two things. You deal with prosperity and disparity. You remember that? Yep. Okay. You remember and that? Uh, and let me. Okay, the one, the one. Okay, the I might have tweaked it going along, but it was, it was either prosperity or adversity, and everybody kind of talks about adversity all the time. But when you get good, dealing with prosperity is sometimes life harder than dealing with adversity. Meaning, you know, when you start thinking you're all that, you're making all this money, and you're doing so well, is. People make bad decisions in those places in their lives as much as they do when things are tough and it's not going well and yeah. in, in dealing with that. So, um, you know, successful teams understand that. It's one thing to go out and win a game. It's another thing to go out and win seven in a row. Absolutely. 
Yeah. I got some more for you. You ready? Yep. You, you remember your pyramid? I think yep. it was uh, it was force. You got focus, sharp and defined. Your F was was focus. Your O was for opportunity. Your four was redemption. Your R was redemption. Your C was commitment. Your E was uh, what is this? Oh, everyday, everyday habits. Yep. You cut. You put habits, custom to togetherness. Uh, your F was focus, sharp and defined. O was opportunity, favorable time or occasion. R, redemption, a second chance. C, commitment, a pledge or a promise to engage. E, everyday habit. Let the force I, be with you. Yeah, let the force be with you. <laughs> uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate it, Coach. I definitely appreciate you. I learned a lot from you, and, you know, I, I can't thank you enough. All right, well, hey, Mike, you know how much I care about you. And uh, it, was, it was great seeing you at, at Champs Hall of Fame. Uh, you know I love you. I uh, care about you. If I can ever help in any way, don't hesitate to call me, bud. No doubt. But before we go, I got one thing for you, right? Okay. I'm, I want, I want to start this thing. You're going to be the first one. So it's going to be rapid fire. We're going to build a team, all right? Right. We're going to build, we're going to build the offense and defense. We can do – you can do you can't you can go back in the day if you want. So basically what it is is I'm gonna say, okay, name a secondary. You're gonna say, okay, two thousand ravens. I take the two thousand ravens. If I say name a D line, you can say my uh two thousand two Carolina Panthers. It could be any team, but we're just gonna build this team. All right. So okay. you can't go back to the don't go back to the steel curtain. That's cheating. That's too far. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. You ready? All yep. Right. We're going to start with defense first. All right. Name your, sec name your secondary. From, from two, matter of fact, yeah, from 2000, from the year 2000 till now. Name your secondary. Okay. All right. So the last, uh, we'll say 20 years, but for me, like 17 years. Um, I'm going to go with the. 14 Broncos. Ooh, that was strong. Now remember what they did in 15, okay? Because that was that was just they're in the middle of a growth. But that 15 Denver Broncos defense was up there in the top six in history. Yeah. Word. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Um so I'm going to go with that because so, it was the same guys, but they just had a year more to develop. So yeah, we'll come together. Yep. We're going we're gonna to go D-line now, Coach. Okay, I'm going to go with the uh, 03 Panthers. Ooh, that's Julius that Peppers. That's, a, that's Young yeah, Peppers? Mike Rucker. Mike Rucker in his prime. Uh, Chris Jenkins. And Ooh. Pat, yeah, yeah, Pat. that was, yeah, those those were all three pro bowlers. Yeah, ooh, I just talked with Peppers today too. Did you really? Yeah. Great, great. Guy. Yeah, I, I told my interview. You said, "Yeah, Foxy, that's my guy right there. That's my guy." Yeah, <laughs> I like. No, yeah, he okay. was he, he was a quiet guy. All right, but when he 
spoke, people listened. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Linebackers. Wow. I got to go. I got to go back. Uh, well, you got to count uh, linebackers. Yeah, that's it's probably a toss-up between like the O four group of linebackers, O three, um, Dan Morgan. I mean, I think Dan still has the Super Bowl record for tackles in the Super Bowl. We eighteen. Oh, yeah. No, that was uh, 03. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I thought I thought our linebacking core in Denver was pretty good too. You know, in uh, I'm going to say between 12 and 14. Yeah, yeah. Especially we count Vaughn as a linebacker. Then, then yeah, we- yeah. That's it's hard. It's hard not to mention. You know, Vaughn in there. Uh, yeah. Just Wesley was playing his best ball. Wesley Woodyard. Yeah. Ball. Yeah, yep. and uh, Danny Trevathan was a young, up and start guy. I uh, knew we were he was pretty special after that Super Bowl. Well, even though yeah. we lost, he played his behind off. He played his. Ass. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, so that's you know. Hey, let me tell you something. You don't last in this league as a coach if you don't have some great people and great players. And you know, you don't get to do this as long as I did without those. I mean, I. The list goes on, whether it was an assistant or whether it was, you know, I think I've had like like nine Hall of Famers, um, you know, so I, I don't want to leave anybody out. But as a group, and you get you kind of limited me to 2000, uh, you know, till current. But <laughs> but, uh, but I've been blessed, especially on both sides of the ball, actually. Yeah. All right. You really got the uh, – we did linebacker. We did secondary D-line. All right. Well, let's go offense now. It don't have to be okay. your team. It don't have to be your teams per se. You can say, you can say the Green Bay Packers offense or the Green Bay Packers secondary. Like it could be like that. All right. So no, I'm offense. going with my guys. I'm I'm I'm, I'm already missing some guys, but I'm going with guys I coach. Respect, respect. Yeah, <laughs> respect. Yeah. All right, let's start with the uh, offensive line. What year offensive line? I'm going to go O-line wise. I'm going to go to the O3 Panthers. We run the ball, really did it, run the football. Uh, it set up all of our play action. And that was that was a, a pretty talented O-line. And you, you don't get to do the run game or really you don't have a good offense until you start with the O-line. Okay. All right. So who's running behind that O-line? Running back. Um, I'm going to say probably the best combo. We, we had really two, Deshaun Foster and Stephen Davis in 03. And then soon after that, we had uh, D'Angelo and Jonathan Stewart. So uh, my whole career in Carolina, that was basically our four running backs. Uh, not to slight anybody, but because we had fullbacks as well. Uh, but those are those are hard guys to beat at running back. Yeah, yeah, they were some dogs right there. All right, so with that being said, QB. Don't say Jimmy Clausen because I won't let you. <laughs> you know? I'm going to tell you, a close second was Jake DeLome. Jake 
you know, uh, I don't know that he had the pedigree that Peyton had and all that stuff, but as a leader and as a guy, uh, you know, we won a lot of games with both of them. I mean, Peyton still has the single season touchdown record. So uh, I got to say Peyton Manning for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So who, who is he throwing to? What wide receiving core? Mm, oh, this way, well, yeah, this is going to be hard for you. Well, I'm going to go back to – I don't want people to forget uh, Musa Muhammad and Steve Smith either, my Carolina bunch. Those guys. Ricky Pro. Yeah, those guys were – yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, Decker, uh, DT, um, Emmanuel, Sanders we brought in. Um, you know, there we, we had some weapons. I mean, even with Peyton Manning, you know, let's not forget Peyton wasn't a rookie anymore either. He came off a bad, bad neck injury, did all the rehab work to get that done to really rejuvenate his career and, you know, went on. I wasn't there, but he won a, a second Super Bowl trophy, uh, you know, even after Indianapolis. But you don't do that without some uh, really good weapons. And, you know, all those guys were tremendous. No doubt. But, Coach, that's it. I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you being my first guest. I appreciate you mentoring me, helping me out throughout my whole career. I know if I call you, picking up the phone, if I text, I'm picking up. can't say that about most people nowadays. I, I got another question. Let me, before I end this, okay. why is it that? <laughs> I love this conversation. My bad, Coach. No, that's why, good. Yeah, why is it that? When, when you said, hey, call me if you need anything, text me if you need anything, you was by your word. You would yep. hit me right back, whatever it was, you could do what you do. It's yep. some people out there that say the same thing, but when you call them, they don't pick up. Like when I was playing, I could call any coach ever. They'd be like, oh, hey, what's up, Mike? How you doing? Oh, suppose I retired. They look at that phone like, oh, nope. They don't even pick up. What, what is it behind that? Because I, I know they're not that busy because I know head coach's schedule. I've been, I got a master's in football now, 16 years. You know, it's really the sad part about the game, Mike, is, you know, I remember playing in a celebrity or golf tournament out in Tahoe every year. And I ran into Steve Young and Tim Brown, both played for me that I hadn't seen in 15 years. And it's the sad part about our game is, you know, and I'm talking about seeing them. I'm not talking about returning calls or returning text. I've always been good about that. But it's when you're out of the game, it's like you're almost forgotten. And it's, and it's, it's you know, it's a sad thing actually. You know, if you're not in it, and I think it's the thing you miss the most is those connections and those people. That's why it was so great seeing you, you know, and Champ. I mean, I hadn't seen Champ Bailey since he played for me, and now I'm at his Hall of Fame ceremony. Now, that's sad. I mean, think about that. You know, it was a guy that I know we had a relationship, but, yeah. uh, but now if he's, if he's ever texted me or if he ever called me, I always answer. That no I will doubt. say. And don't lose that because that's that's big. Um, but it is the sad part about our game is you lose in touch with the guys that you were so close with. 
Word. Well, on that note, you heard what the man yeah. said. Yeah. Be a pro and call back. Be a pro and get together. Be yeah. a pro. Yeah. Hey, appreciate you, Coach, for coming on. I appreciate your time and everything. We're going to link up. We're going to play some golf together because I'm getting better now. So we'll play some like golf. That's the thing. Hey, have fun, have fun down in, have fun down in Florida, coach. I know you got a flight tomorrow. Have a remember, safe flight. I will, my man. Huh? You said oh, remember we'll do Florida might be good. No, you were saying something, you went out. Yeah. No, I, I was actually saying that uh, remember that I'd have make you guys go play golf in that team golf tournament so you learn a lifetime sport. Yeah, yeah, you did. I remember that. <laughs> I couldn't hit the ball with a lick at that point. I'm, hey, I'm no, like, no. I'm Nobody like, just do it. I'm like, man, I don't want to go golfing. I'm about to be home. Who are you going? <laughs> <laughs> now I go all the time. I would love to go. Now you know. Now you know. Yeah. Appreciate you, coach. All right. No doubt. Love you, brother. All right. All right. Love you too, be good, brother. Mike. Thank you. Yes, sir. That was Coach Fox, ladies and gents, one of my favorite coaches. Uh, he taught me a lot throughout my whole career. You know, even, even though – I played against him and I and he coached me for two years. He was one of the coaches that had the most impact, you know, and it, being in Cleveland for five years, being everywhere else, you know, he, he was one of the coaches that, you know, he had pick up the phone. He would text right back. You know, I got a couple coaches like that, um, but Coach Fox is definitely my favorite and I, and I definitely appreciate him for everything he did. But I want to th thank everybody for tuning in, coming in and joining me as my, uh, my first official guest and the first official guest was coach fox thank him for coming on well I'm mike adams um be a pro podcast don't forget ladies and gents be a pro pops 29 out